Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Timothy Dotson. My name is Donald Garrett. And today is episode five of the Passion Cast. We have a new addition to the podcast today, actually. Let's go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, hello, I am Trenton Alak. Yeah, so uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about Trenton Alak. He's going to give us his testimony. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple more things today that we have listed off here on the outline. So go ahead and go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Trenton. So my testimony, I think, shares a lot of similarities with Timothy in the way of sort of going into atheism and what that was like. But my early life really was not in a broken home by any means. Uh, I was raised fairly well, but I was raised very lonely because for most of my childhood, I was homeschooled. And I didn't really have a lot of interaction with kids my age outside of uh, my family. And I would spend just a lot of my time by myself at, at my house. And so I, I, I kind of grew up just with this sense of just a lack of interaction with people, with just this sense of just loneliness in my life. And then I, I had very strong connections to my family members. And I was raised semi-Christian in the aspect of, I sort of knew that God existed. And I had family members who were very close to Christ. But in my family themselves, God just wasn't much of a topic. He, he existed. And if I ever said I didn't believe in him, there would definitely be uh, strife within the family. But outside of that, he just didn't really matter that much to us. And so I did, because I was born in Tennessee and I moved to Alabama after my house had burnt down back there. And when I moved to Alabama was the first time I had really started sort of going to a church. And throughout that time, even then, something felt off to me about it. Uh, the church I went to, it had really great people in it, but there was no focus on experiencing God. It was very heavy into, we believe in God because we believe in God and that's it. We don't experience him. We don't experience things of the Holy Spirit. M miracles do not happen anymore. Those were for the times of the past. And so there was absolutely nothing there to really grab onto for me. And as I started getting a little older, I had a fairly strong connection to my grandfather. And when I was about... 10 or 11 years old, he ended up uh, getting bitten uh, by something. I can't remember what it was, but it got him very sick. It, it was sheer bad luck because he had uh, stepped outside to check on his cats. And he stayed in the hospital for the better part of a year. And I remember I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that, that he would be okay and that God would heal him. And, and this very strong man, ex-wrestler, ex-military, ex-cop, he, he, he had a lot of hats that he wore throughout his life. I saw him slowly wither away in a hospital bed until he died. And for me, that was the evidence, not necessarily that God was not real, but that clearly something was wrong in what I was being told to me. And so I, I gained this sort of obsession with this concept of I need to get to the truth, no matter what it is. And that became my, my sole goal.
goal in life was to find the truth. And I dug and I dug and I dug and I went from Christian to agnostic. And then I eventually I went from agnostic to atheist. And those were by far the worst years of my life because what it was for me was it felt like I was digging through what I thought was going to lead me to the truth for the sake of hope and all it led me to was an empty well. All it left me was sad and alone because ultimately to me atheism meant that since there was nothing after, nothing before, and that humanity was just a blip on the universal map, then my life meant absolutely nothing. And there were nights that I would stay up late and I was terrified of the concept of dying, but terrified of the concept of waking up the next morning. So I would spend nights hoping and hoping that I would just die in my sleep so I wouldn't even have to worry about it at all. But my going back to Christianity, it's hard for me to sort of have this one shining moment where I realized that it was all true. For me, it was certainly a process. And a lot of it ties into a certain someone who has been mentioned a couple times throughout testimonies on this podcast, but, but he is important to my life. That's Nathan Bird. I first met Nathan when I was 10 years old, relatively soon after moving to Alabama. And me and him have been best friends for the a little over eight years now. And sort of, he, he was with me through my grandfather dying, and I was there when his grandfather passed as well. And I, I started to slowly drift into atheism, and I didn't talk about it much, but I think, and I haven't talked to him about it, so I don't know this for sure, but I think he started to notice that something was wrong over that time. And it was when I was either 14 or 15, I was a full-blown atheist, he invited me to a place in, I believe it's Green Pond, that Camp Booth is located in, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Green Pond. And he invited me there, and he said that he had been going there ever since he was a little kid. And I went because, firstly, I was at the end of my rope. I was tired even of atheism. I was so tired because I didn't have any hope in my life. And so I still wanted something. And because I just wanted to spend time with, a, with one of my only close friends. And so what I ended up doing was I chose to go with him. And over the course of that week, I experienced things I had never seen or heard before. I, I, I got to see the Holy Spirit move for the very first time in my entire life. That wasn't something I had seen in my previous church because we had this opinion that these miracles weren't for today. So I didn't get to see the signs and wonders of God. I didn't get to really experience his love. All I had seen of God before that was judgment and anger. And then it was like I was suddenly introduced to a man who was completely different from everything I was told. I got to see people saved and I got to feel the Holy Spirit. When I, first, I remember that first experience, it was like I felt something in my stomach and I couldn't tell what it was and it freaked me out. And I was being told like, that's 
that's God, the Holy Spirit interacting with you. And I just, at first I sort of denied it to myself. And then throughout the five day period that we were there, I just, I couldn't anymore. And I got saved uh, at camp. But of course I came back home and despite my experiences, I certainly didn't have a firm foundation and I was still a very depressed individual. And I went back to the exact sort of thought process and things I had experienced there. And I actually kind of went back into agnosticism again during that time frame in between years. And it wasn't until I was about late 15, probably going on to 16, that I had really latched on. And of course, the youth group started and it was little event after little event after little event. I remember I spent a lot of time beating myself up for never having at that point fully dived in and I thought that I never could. And I remember that was a very large struggle for me, but now years on from that, the Lord has really moved in my life, shown me his love for me. And I am in a very different place in my life right now. And that, that's sort of, that's what I would call my testimony. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of, there is a lot of similarities in our testimonies, especially Nathan Bird being one of them. Yeah, I mean, that guy's great. He'll be on the podcast eventually. He'll be a guest, so be looking out for that. Um, don't, don't really know sure when that will happen, but I'll just have to talk to him about it. But, uh, I mean, a big similarity is, of course, the atheism part. It's a... Uh, it's really, I think it's really crazy how young uh, we were when we, we got like really into that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the way that people are growing up right now and uh, we have so much more access to certain things today. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of questions in, in this day and age and uh, when people don't seem to get answers, or if they get answered in the wrong way, it seems like things can kind of get... There's a lot of opportunity for the enemy to slip in and start playing around with ideas and thoughts. And it's not wrong to, to not believe in God, per se. It, it's, uh, it's more of like... Because the thing is, is that you're you're not even in a state where you're just trying to curse the name of God. It's like you're wrestling with the conception in your head, like the conception of God. Like you, how how can we even believe in such a thing? And you know, on that stacked onto all the all the stuff that you see online and whatnot, you know, something's going to end up getting twisted. Go. I think a lot of it is that you have a group of people growing up and they're not really shown the love of God. And you have this group of people and what they've experienced in what they think is God is clearly not enough. Mm. And you have an internet that is very heavily biased and a lot of of it against Christianity because you have a lot of people with similar experiences. And so all that you're seeing is a different answer because what what, what you perceive as Christianity has not answered your question. Mm-hmm. What you perceive as Christianity has not helped you. It's hurt you. It's caused you only pain. You haven't experienced loved in it, love in it. You've only experienced judgment and hatred towards you or just that you see hatred being pushed towards other people through it. Mm-hmm. 
And so you clearly need something else. And this is the answer that's being projected to you through all of the information that is right at your fingertips. Yeah. What about you, Donald? Like you, you had, I don't, I don't think you ever like had a actual experience with atheism, but like you definitely delved into other things. Mm-hmm. So like, what, what do you think, how do you think you could like describe your experience with that? My, my experience was, uh, I, I, I kind of didn't really think God was real just because of what I had gone through. Because it, it just didn't make sense to me. Because I didn't view the world and existence as being good. So how could there be a good God? And so I just kind of fell into agnosticism. Pretty much where I just threw up my hands and said, I have no clue. And But that whole time I kind of like felt like there has to be something. You know, it can't just you know, be. We can't just be here for no reason. Yeah, it can't be absolutely nothing. Yeah. And so then uh, I got into a lot of like uh, Carl Jung's psychology. And then I, I kind of like made that my religion for a while because it made sense to me. And, uh, but I mean, it, was, it just kind of turned out to be uh, not holistic. Like it didn't cover everything. So. Yeah. 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 Um, I know that I, I played around with a lot of. Um, I never really got into Carl Jung, but I, uh, it was really just all sorts of things from just my time on the internet. And it's crazy how, like, how children get exposed to that kind of stuff. It's almost like, you know, it's kind of like, almost like it's intentional. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's these, these things are trying to reach an audience. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. And, you know, I can understand the fact that people are growing up in a, when people grow up in a hurtful way, they tend to dish out, they, they try and like find a way to dish all that out in an attempt to get rid of it. And uh, you know, it's hard for them to, I guess, get that out all the way. So it just becomes perpetual. Like it, it's, it's over and over and over again and it never leaves. So, and, and the only way to get rid of that heart or, or that hurt is of course, through Jesus, and uh, you know, people are constantly trying to find new ways to find a, a, a loophole to find something to satisfy them and and get rid of that anger, that spitefulness, that resent, and uh, all that pain and stuff pent up inside. But it's like it's really hard to find that in the real world, and uh, it, it's it's just almost impossible. It leaves you. In my experience, searching through atheism, it left me more empty than where I started by by quite a long shot. Mm-hmm. And I think, for atheism specifically, uh, I wouldn't know so much about like certain aspects of agnosticism. Because when I was agnostic, I was leaning atheist. Uh, but sort of what I found about it was that when you live with this perspective that you're a part of an unimportant thing that exists for an unimportant amount of time. How can you have genuine meaning? I sort of came to the point where I was like, well, I guess I have to make up my own. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I know for my mental health I need to. 
but whatever meaning I make will be hollow because I'll be making it only for the purpose of just having meaning. Yeah. Man, it's like, I, I hate to, I hate to think about it, just like the way that things are going, especially now, it seems like the hate just keeps rising and rising and rising. And I mean, a, a part of it has to do with, you know, the way that the church has operated in the world. You know, there, there's a lot of church hurt out there. And the way that things have been preached, like I've talked about it in past episodes, it seems like we preach hate more than we do Jesus. We preach about hell more than we do Jesus. But, you know, I think a part of it too is the fact that whilst all that's going on, you have individuals who are wanting to feed into this and, you know, they, they, they want to stoke the flames. So they try and get people riled up to, to go even deeper into this, this hatefulness and this, uh, just this pure, raw, emotional, just, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's so deep and dark and, uh, you know, is there a change for it? Absolutely. Yes, there is. And, uh, will it always, will it always be here? Probably it'll, it'll probably stick around till, you know, the big guy comes back. But I mean, I, I just, I think there needs to be a lot of guidance for children these days, people in general, there needs to be guidance because man, they're, they're being exposed to so much. They got TikTok. TikTok is a big thing. Man, I've come across some crazy stuff on there. And uh, I do want to talk about some things that I've seen on there with, with, with the guys on the podcast eventually. Because uh, it, it's, it's some dark stuff. It, it's, some, it's some really evil stuff mm -hmm. that, we'll, that we'll end up getting into. We got so much in store to talk about on this thing. And, and you know, I, I really... One of my biggest goals on this podcast is to, you know, share information and, and to share my heart and my passion with people. And along with the, with with Trenton and Donald on here, you know, we want to we want to inspire, especially the young generation, mm -hmm. to, you know, dive into something they ultimately need that we all ultimately need, because uh, man, w without it this world becomes so just powerless and, and dark and dim. And uh, but yeah, I, I think that's my spew on that really quick. But I think social, social media has had an interesting effect. I think it is definitely one of the leading things that leads people into atheism. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Oh yeah. But also, and there are a lot of studies on this, I believe that social media is ultimately just a tool. I mean, if you think about it, we're using a social media platform through Spotify and through Apple uh, Podcast to yeah. spread uh, God's message. Exactly, yeah. But with that being said, social media as a whole does definitely have a lot of negative mental effects. Because I think one of the things that leads to atheism and agnosticism more than anything else is you'll see it's very deeply tied into depression. Yeah. And so you'll see either A, depression will spring from somebody becoming an atheist or an agnostic, or B, they will become depressed. They don't feel like God's solving their problem. And so then they go into agnosticism and atheism 
And a lot of that depression can genuinely be tracked back to social media. We know for a fact that because it overruns your uh, dopamine, that it's like you're constantly getting a hit of it. Dopamine is what, uh, chemically speaking, is what lets us have a sort of happy feeling. Without it, that is what causes clinical depression. That's why the cases have spiked ever since social media came out and are just going up and up and up. And so I do feel like that has led to a, a very big move away from God because you have a lot of very unhappy people and it seems like God, for them, to their minds, isn't solving their problem. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, every day it seems like I, I see I see crazier and crazier stuff on, like, I, I could be scrolling through Instagram. Like this, for example, I saw this a couple weeks ago. I was looking through the comments on this uh, post, and it was supposed to be, like, funny. But uh, it was talking about worship and uh the, the caption read something along the lines of like me in in worship getting chills and, and, and a funny feeling uh, compared to when uh, like I'm at a live concert for some band and like I, I went into the comments but like it had the same image in, in, in indicating that it's the same thing. Huh. Yeah, yeah. And like when I went into the comments, this person was talking about how they had the same experience, how they were in in worship, and you know they they was they they were dancing and and whatnot, worship lifting their hands, and then they go to I think it was like a Green Day concert, and they got the same feeling, and it's like that that's that's why we don't base our faith off of a feeling. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to base to to not base things off of a feeling. You can tell you, you can tell when things are of the Holy Ghost and when things are not of the Holy Ghost uh, in certain settings like that, but you can get it confused, especially if you're not so in tuned with the Holy Spirit. Um, it, it, and, and that's just, it, it boggles my mind to think that like, wow, somebody actually like ended up genuinely losing their faith because of that. Like, <laughs> you're basing their faith off of a feeling. Like, that's scary. I saw, uh, tying right into that, I saw a YouTube video about that exact topic like two years ago. And sort of, this guy made it out like there's something sinister going on in sort of very heavy worshiping churches that people are almost being hypnotized and having this feeling and that they're being led into it, you know. And, oh and I think the best way, in, in my experience, to really sort of tell is worship in your own time. Mm -hmm. Worship in your own time, in your own place. Because let's say that you, you talk to someone, right? And you want to get used to recognizing them on their voice alone. Yeah. And this analogy has been used before. I think Zarek's used it as well. You know, it's a very, it's a fairly common analogy, but it's true. And it's sort of that idea of like, if I talk to someone regularly, if I hear their voice in a crowd, I'll recognize it. Yeah, yeah. And I need to talk to that person in my own time not just when I happen to run into them mm -hmm. and sort of I feel like people really should you know for multiple reasons be interacting with God on their own time and that's how you'll be able to really tell the difference between like I'm worshiping and with a big crowd of people I'm just getting swept up in this excitement that they all seem to have right versus right. no the Holy Spirit is personally interacting with me mm -hmm. in, in a very real way 
Yeah, yeah. You got anything on that? I think uh, with worship, uh, when you like base it on a feeling, um, what, what happens is it's 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 just like an excitement thing, and you just it's just the chills. But when you, uh, like you said, do it in your own time, it becomes more than just uh, kind of like a just like it comes it becomes more than a concert. Mm-hmm. It becomes a, a way of building yourself up it becomes a way of calming yourself down yeah. or finding peace or joy oh, yeah. it becomes a, a kind of like a, a process of like being like molded i guess just it's just a process and it and it takes time and sometimes you don't feel it you know sometimes you don't get chills sometimes you don't want to raise your hands but if you do it anyway uh you, you find that it's it's still super beneficial and I think that's the the big thing with worship is letting it be a process instead of just a like a concert I guess yeah yeah like I just and and that's that's a huge thing it's like when we go to worship we're interacting with the father you know we're we're uh, we're dancing with him we're, we're either dancing with him we're either crying with him we're mourning with him we're we're resting uh it, it, it could be anything. Uh, worship has a lot of forms, uh, but but it's all for the same purpose, uh, and, and that's interacting with God on, a, on an extremely intimate level. And it's like when, when you get swept up in excitement, like a I guess a Green Day concert, <laughs> like that person was talking about. Uh, you know, it, it's so it's I, I guess it's just so artificial, you know. Um, that that feeling of the chills and the excitement like it you you can tell when it's of the holy ghost like i said and you can tell when it's just like you know getting excited and it's important it's extremely important to get excited and to have excitement and and kind of like a sense of adventure in in the in in your walk with christ it's not supposed to be this dull process of waiting to go to heaven yeah and it's like I, I feel like a lot of people have oriented their walks that way as well. Oh yeah, and like I, I think that leads to a lot of people's backslide, backsliding, and uh, people walking away from the faith because you know it, it does become dull and it becomes like more of a, a checklist and a chore rather than something that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't live for Jesus because I was told to do so. I do it because I was captivated by what he's done and what I've experienced with him. And I experienced all the things that I have with him on a personal and intimate level. And so like, I I have a relationship with him. I know that guy, I know Jesus. And uh, he's my best friend, he's my father, he's my king, he's my my everything. And um, that's, that's how people should really, you know, orient things not towards some kind of artificial process of you know getting a feeling and then leaving so i mean that motivation and whatnot it, it motivation is so temporary and it seems like so many people base their walks off of that like you know you'll see people especially young people spring off with uh, motivation and excitement and you know, like like at camp, you know, so many people get get excited, and then when they get back home, you know, it lasts for about a week or so, and then they burn out. 
is because they based it off of that. And yeah. it's like, it, they're not wrong for doing that, but it, it does, it, they're, it, it's bound to burn out that way. That's why it's so important to have a passion and an intimate connection with the Lord. Not saying that people who get excited and motivated like that don't have one. It's just usually they're young and there's not a whole lot of understanding in the fact like where where should I invest my time and my like interactions with the Lord? Should it be in hyped up uh, worship services or in my bedroom alone with God and the Holy Ghost and, and just, you know, taking it all in? Is that where my passion comes from? Or is it when I'm with a lot of people and, you know, just kind of going through the motions? Uh, I think, you know, one of the biggest things to build off of what you said is a sense of perspective. It's very easy to sort of have this idea of, I've got to read my Bible today. I've got to worship today. And without really having a sense of why I, I, I'm doing these things. Yeah. You sort of do them. It gets to the point where you sort of do them as like, I'm checking off marks on my checkbox. Bird likes to talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm checking off like marks off my little checkbox today. But why? Exactly. Why am I doing it? Yeah. Like that. And that, that's a huge thing. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. It's like so many people... But like tell me how you know oh well I haven't been in my Bible recently you know I haven't been praying a lot recently it's like it's it's not the fact that you know like, I think we have the the wrong mindset toward it all it's like it's not it's not per se it's not even a requirement it's like it's on your time you choose when to do it um, but we shouldn't be going about it because we're obligated to we should do it because what am I going to find in the scriptures today? What is the Lord going to say to me uh, while I'm reading John or while I'm reading Mark or whatever book I'm reading? You know, what's going to be revealed to me? What am I going to find that's going to spark a new flame? Or like, am I going to jump up and down because I find this new piece of information? I've had plenty of nights where like I'd be reading and I see something and it's like, holy crap, mm -hmm. that, that's like insane. <laughs> And it's like, that's what, that's how we should go about it. It's like, too, when we go to pray and, you know, we don't know what to talk about. It's like, talk about anything. Talk about how your day went. Even though God knows, he wants to hear from you. Like, he, he wants, he, you, like, you're his son, you're his daughter. He wants to, he wants to hear from you. He wants to talk to you. And it's like, people think that the Lord isn't talking to them back but it's like a lot of the way that God talk, speaks to us is through our conscious uh, and we that that's that's that can be scary sometimes too because you know you get intrusive thoughts and you got all these other thoughts going on especially like somebody who has ADHD you got a lot of going on in your head so it's like what's from God and what what isn't and that comes that all comes along like discerning that comes along with the gift of discernment but you just kind of you you gain that gift uh through your mature maturing through the spirit and um i would say just give it time and the way to think about it all is like when you talk to jesus just he's listening to you he's just listening to you talk ramble on whatever you're doing and uh there's never a moment where he's like turning his face away from you in shame or in disappointment or like 
okay, he's already talked to me today. I don't want to hear from Timothy or I don't want to hear from Donald or whoever. It's like, oh, you know, my son, my daughter, he's, they're, they're talking to me right now. What do they got to say? You know, I, I, I'm loving to get to hear from them. That, that kind of ordeal. We definitely need that sense of purpose in what we do. Mm-hmm. Not purpose in the aspect of I need to talk about this to God and I need to talk about that. Like you just said, you can talk to him about whatever, whenever. Right. But purpose in the aspect of I'm not doing this for no good reason. I'm not doing this to hit a check mark. But purpose in the aspect of I'm doing this to spend time with my father. Right, right. And to, and to interact with him in the way that he absolutely craves. Because he craves getting to have you spend that time with him. He craves you thinking about him. Oh, he, yeah. he craves you caring enough. Definitely, definitely. Absolutely. And that, that is the, that's the destination that you're striving for. The destination is the journey. It's the, mm-hmm. the process. You know, prayer, like, prayer is not a way to get to a destination. It is the destination. Spending time with him is the destination. It's the whole point. Uh, the, the process and the journey is the whole purpose of being able to have that fellowship. The sole reason Jesus came was to allow us to spend that time with him. Mm. That's good. Oh, yeah, that, that was awesome. No, I, yeah, we uh, we kind of went rambling off on worship and stuff. But, I mean, I, that, that was some, like, really good stuff that we, we spilt out there. But we also got here on the outline, uh, fear labeled down. Uh, you wanted to talk about that. What what, uh, what what did you have on that? Like, We hit it to a certain extent, uh, sort of going into that feeling of hopelessness that I talked about. Because as I had mentioned it to you all beforehand, it, it's fear as it relates a lot of it to atheism. Yeah. But sort of what I wanted to hit on, and I, and I have a verse for it, and I'm going to attempt to pull it up as I speak. So you'll have to forgive my possible uh, uncoherentness. But sort of, there's a saying which is really good, and it's you know faith over fear. But I I've I think what ultimately really beats fear is less faith than it is love. Oh yeah. It it is love over fear. Something is so defeating for fear knowing that you're loved. Mm-hmm. Knowing that there is sort of this warm blanket of caring over you. That there's a person who always thinks about you and you're in their every thought and they really and truly only want the best for you. For sure. That's what defeats fear. And the verse I want to use is John, uh, or 1 John 4. I'll be reading out of the Passion Translation. And uh, it's verse 18. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives out the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Mm-hmm. Another interesting aspect of that verse is how it talks about how we shouldn't be afraid of punishment. I feel like, and I don't know if y'all have talked about this previously on the podcast, I haven't had the chance to watch every episode, mm-hmm. but sort of the thing is that a lot of people make their entire relationship with God a relationship of punishment, of heaven 
and hell, and especially hell. And sort of when all you can think about is, man, I want to do things to not go to hell, then you are not reaching love's perfection. You're not living in that perfect love. You're living in fear. And it's like that, it's not a way of saying like, you know, oh, you're doing it all wrong. It's just like, even Paul talks about how, you know, the, well, was it the Jews? Like they haven't experienced the fullness of, mm -hmm. of salvation. Yes. And like that, that's, that's the piece that's missing. I feel like a lot of individuals from the past in, in, in biblical times have kind of missed the mark in type in in a type of way of like they missed what god was trying to get across there's been a lot of mis misinterpretation of how god wanted to get across you know his love and how he wanted things to be and like we've talked about that a lot i i think so far on the podcast i know that i've went in on on that whole topic of like you know hell being so prominent in uh just like the the church scene and it's like hell is an important topic but it's meant for a specific audience mm -hmm. it's meant for a specific audience and even then you know I've, I've even used john chapter 4 uh the woman at the well and jesus uh as an example you know the guy didn't even use hell to minister to her. He just simply told her who he was. And that's that's the most important thing. It's not that hell is unimportant. It's the fact that the the revelation of Christ and grace and salvation and what he did on the cross is so powerful and so important. Hell, in contrast, looks minuscule to the rest of everything else. Because, I mean, it's not even meant for human beings in the first place. Mm -hmm. So why should we be worrying about it? It's like, that's what the, the gospel is meant to be so easy to, to get and to take in that, you know, hell, hell shouldn't even be a worry. Um, and I feel like we've, we've really missed that, missed that point. You know... Uh, and I don't know if you you probably have mentioned this before, but everybody always hears the uh, oh Jesus talked about hell more than he did heaven. Oh yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about bringing that up. Untrue. Uh, there was a guy who went through, and I wish I had the website pulled up. I, I've checked it and double checked it, but basically, out of all the verses where Jesus speaks, he makes reference to hell uh, in three percent of what he says. 10% of what he says is made up of him talking about heaven or the kingdom of heaven or the coming hope. Yeah. And so that, that just to dispel that rumor, that's just untrue. Uh, another thing I want to say is that I feel like we need to be able to self-reflect. I did. I had to. In this aspect of, I want, I want you to imagine that you have, have met the woman at the well or the woman who was about to be stoned and you're speaking to her, would you, would you tell her about hell? And if you, I feel like you need to be able to reflect and see if you would condemn her in that way or be like, you need to change your ways or you're going to hell. You need to be able to reflect on that 
and see if you would do that because Jesus didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and I by no means mean that as an attack to any believer. I don't. But I feel like it's an important thing because ultimately Jesus chose not to do that. To my knowledge, the only times he really spoke of hell were to either A, the Pharisees. Now that would be in crowds a lot of the time. Yeah. But it was to the Pharisees and to my knowledge also to his closest disciples. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he used that parable as well with the, with the rich man. Um, it's it's just such a hell plays a huge role in like i guess christian culture in the way that you know it's been preached it's such a big topic in in christianity i feel like that's like the big point to where where everyone seems to go every time we talk about christianity it's it's all about hell 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 what about jesus what about the signs and wonders what about the glory? What what about uh, what he did on the cross? You know, why are we so focused on that that horror story of of a place? You know, it's like setting your kid in front of a, a horror movie and expecting them not to get scared of it. You know, like you your intention is for them to sit there and watch it and enjoy it, but they're gonna sit there and scream at it and probably cry. I wonder how many kids have had hell be one of their really first things they learned about. Honestly, that, that that's kind of how it was for me. Uh, I, I remember, I remember that that's like one of my first memories about Christianity was was the whole part about hell. I remember I'd cry uh, over it because I'd be so scared of it. But it's like, why would I need to be scared? Because I'm so buckled into salvation. It's like we've talked about it on the last episode. Apostasy. I think apostasy and somebody who has just absolutely how 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 would that go like okay so i i would totally see somebody apostatizing you know that that might that might very well be the case for them because that's like a total you know hey god i've had fun i'm gonna go do my own thing now it's been nice knowing you. It's been nice, you know, with the Holy Ghost and whatnot, but I'm going to go do my own thing. The big thing on apostasy is that you do it knowing God's real. There's a specific mention when it talks about apostasy mm-hmm. where it, it, it mentions that you publicly state this. Yeah. And so ultimately, sort of, and I, I don't know whether it, it is like it takes away your salvation or if it just means that God is no longer going to reach out to you, but sort of, it, it is this, I know that he exists. I apostate fully believing in his existence, but I choose explicitly to deny him with with the hopes of slandering his name. Right, right. See, it's like, I can't really, in terms of anyone else and, and their circumstance, I, I don't think I'll ever speak on that for them. Say, so, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, which, I mean, there are verses where Paul talks about, you know, somebody who just doesn't believe in God. You know, we, what, 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 where is that in? Where he talks about how, you know, we, we know innate, like almost innately, like it's in our instincts that we know that Romans. God is real. That's in Romans. Somewhere in Romans. Thought. It's like where he's essentially saying for somebody to deny God, it's like, it's almost like denying reality. In, in a way, I guess it's, that's how I would summarize what he says. And uh, it, it's it's like, I guess when I grew, when, when I, while I was growing, growing up, 
Sorry, I have been tired all day, so I'm like slurring my words. But like, while I was growing up, I, I felt like I just always, you know, knew that there was a God, even before like I started, you know, like before my parents really tried to like, you know, tell me about Jesus. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it kind of felt like that was always the truth mm -hmm. in a sense. And then, you know, as I got older, I guess like, you know, as, as you get older, just all the things you go through and all the things you find and see and hear, it's like, it becomes harder to believe. Yeah. yeah. I think a big thing, oh, Donald has the- uh, Oh, did you find it? Yeah. yeah, go ahead, read it, bro. So this is Romans chapter one, verse 20. This is the passage translation that says, opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance, because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived, for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Saying so, like that, that's when I, I remember first reading that, I was just like, dang, Paul, you know, <laughs> all right, speak facts, <laughs> go off. <laughs> it was like, it was just, it, it sounded like something I'd hear from somebody like nowadays who's like extremely invested in, I guess, apologetics and whatnot. Dude, going into the Bible, when I first started reading, it was shocking to me the way that like Paul would sort of speak because he was not always exactly uh, peaceable in all that he said. He, he, you could tell sometimes he was genuinely angry. Yeah. And it was yeah. righteous anger. Oh, yeah. But uh, that was, you know, and then there's the moment of, of Jesus flipping the tables, which is, right. of course, surprising if you don't know about it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that very much caught me off guard. And that sort of took me away from my traditional thought process mm -hmm. about these things. You'd be shocked how, how going through the Bible, if you never really have you've just heard things from believers, just isn't there. I, I think the classic example is the concept that devil that the devil is currently in hell ruling it. Yeah. Which is just untrue. He's not there yet. Mm -hmm. he, he's operating in the world. Uh, it even in, in scripture it states that he is the uh, uh, ruler of the world's operations. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, he is currently at work on, on planet Earth uh, in a in a spiritual sense, in every sense of the way, he's not just roaming around in a I guess physical form. Because you know, even Paul says it. You know, we don't we don't wrestle with our flesh. We wrestle with heavenly things, principalities, and what have you not. Yeah, the actual translation of that verse, directly translated, there's a spot in there when he says we we fight against men without bodies. Mm, yeah. And hey, that, that's another topic that we'll end up talking about. Uh, I don't really know when, it, it may very well be soon. Cause I did say that like, I wasn't gonna talk, I wasn't gonna dive into apostasy, but I mean, like I was gonna wait to do it, but we kind of just went ahead and did it. So uh, we, we may end up talking about it pretty soon, but we'll just see. Cause I mean, just like the word, when we started talking about worship, you know, it's like, it just kind of flowed. But um, I don't know, you guys got anything? Anything else you want to talk about? We have uh, one spot on the uh, notes, on the outline left. And uh, it's something that 
we were planning to lead into, but I, I think we all sidetracked ourselves. Yeah, we're which, late. I mean, it's it good, good stuff. Yeah, good yeah, topics. I've enjoyed it. But uh, it's, it's the topic of, for a lot of atheists, you know, and we've been speaking about atheism a lot today, and that was the intention. Yeah. Because uh, me and you have been in that spot. Yeah. And something I want to sort of hit on is two main points. One, I feel as if a lot of Christians treat atheists in a subhuman way and think of them in an almost subhuman way. And one of the biggest problems is that you'll see a lot of Christians make no attempt to understand why atheists feel the way they do. Yeah. It was something that I saw when I was an atheist, and I see even now as a Christian, I see people do this. And it bothers me. It's, uh, it's um, sort of this, how could they ever think that way? How could they, I could never get to that point. Right, right. And sort of like. Saying like, I even heard that myself recently, uh, talking to someone about it. It's just like sort of this perspective of it's inconceivable to ever be an atheist. Yeah. And it's very frustrating for people who are atheists to hear that. And it's like, you don't care about me. Mm -hmm. You don't want to understand me. Yeah. And so it has the problem of, if you think that way, these people are the representative of, representatives of Christ. We as Christians are ambassadors to the world to represent Christ. So when we as Christians make no attempt to understand these other people, then for these other people, it might as well be Christ making no attempt to understand them. Right, yeah. makes them closed off. And now that's the first thing. The second thing I wanted to hit on, and it relates to it, is sort of this uh, thing where you'll see a lot of Christians expect atheists to live by Christian standards. No, I, I, I will say no. That should not be an expectation that you have of an atheist. Yeah. Because quite frankly, if you do not believe in God, why would you live by his standards? Exactly. What does it matter to you? Right. And it doesn't make them bad people. I will say that. It, it does not make them bad people. They're just living the way that makes sense to them because they haven't experienced most of the time what we have. Right. And so like, if you don't believe that there is a God, why would you live by his standard? Mm -hmm. And Paul talks about this. It's in 1 Corinthians uh, 5.12, or 5, uh, yeah, 5.12. The TPT puts it, puts the two verses 12 and 13 together, but I'll just be reading through the part that should be uh, 12, which is, what right do I have to pronounce judgment on unbelievers? That's God's responsibility. But those who are inside the church family are our responsibility to discern and judge. Paul says that he has no right to judge unbelievers. Yeah. And in the same vein, we have none as well. And we have no right to expect them to live by our standard. Yeah. And, and that shouldn't give us the idea that, uh, oh, so since that verse says that, I guess I should direct my attention away from uh, worldly people and direct it at the church. Now I'm just going to tell the church about how they're on a one-way trip to hellfire brimstone. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of thing. Ooh. That shouldn't be. No. no, he's talking about holding your brothers and because they are your brothers and sisters. Hold them accountable. Help them aspire 
to the way of Christ, to the example of Jesus, and uh, you know, lead them in the right, the right direction, not into fear. Yeah, biblically, judgment doesn't mean what we think of it as. Mm-hmm. When, 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 when we hear the term judgment, it sort of has this negative connotation of you thinking about somebody and going, ew, what? Yeah. That is just absolutely terrible. Yeah. No, judgment is sort of, like you said, for us anyways, sort of this holding people accountable. You, and going back to the atheism thing, why would I hold an atheist accountable to a Christian standard? Yeah, like he doesn't even believe in my standard. Like he, he has no, like it has no value. And it's like, we, we, we almost get into this position of where like we hunker down when we, when we know somebody's an atheist or, you know, we, we know somebody's of the world and we just think, you know, okay, I'm, I'm getting ready to fight this person because they're obviously going to want to fight me. Like, you don't know that. You don't, you don't know that. Stop being so standoffish with people. And it's like, it, it feels like we teach uh, children who are growing up in the church this way. And uh, even adults in current time who, who are uh, in church also think the same way. It's like, things don't have to be so standoffish. We can have conversations and agree to disagree. And it's like, you simply putting forth the information that you know never one thing that i have learned when like speaking to someone who is outside of the faith do not speak on something that you do not know about because you will it it will all crash and burn and then then that person's going to have a parade not because you know yeah they're probably going to celebrate a victory over your point but it's probably because They've experienced so much backlash from Christians that they have encountered for, uh, in in the past, and uh, you know we just I think just in general, not even just on like a, a religious perspective, we need to give people leeway and a breathing room to just you know be. Uh, we we think everybody's got to align with the way that we think, and uh, you know it's got to be my way or the highway. That, that mindset is so prevalent in today's society, and it's so wrong, it's so hateful, and it leads to so much destruction. And uh, it, it's just no wonder why everybody's always hateful and angry and uh, doesn't want to talk to nobody. It's because everyone's so standoffish with everyone else. And uh, if we could get away from that and just listen to people, like maybe nobody's listened to you throughout life. G- give somebody, give somebody, do give them what you never got. Yeah. Give them what you never had. Um, that that's a really big thing, and I, I guarantee you that that will do something in your heart that you just I don't know. It's crazy. Like giving people forgiveness and. Uh, even when they've done you so wrong, uh, when you give people things that you have received so little of throughout life, it builds you. It builds you up on the inside and on the outside uh, in every way possible. And uh, it it sets an example. And and when those things do occur, uh, it, it leads you into wanting to do that even more. I'm telling you, that kind of behavior is what leads people to salvation. That, that's the love of Christ. That's, that's a part of it. Uh, 
giving, having patience with people. You know, it's, it's very much, it's cliche, but it's true. Hate begets hate and love begets love. And we can't, we are, we are as a society, like you said, we are in a cycle of hatred mm. where one person hates another. So that person lashes out in anger against another and then another and another. And you individually have the opportunity to decide not to take part in the cycle. And instead of letting the hate that you've experienced beget hate, you can use it to beget love. Mm. And then love will beget love. Right. Well, you guys have anything else you wanna you wanna add on anything? Uh, the last thing that I wanna say is, and this is mainly talking to, to Christians, you don't have to especially when you're talking to like a friend or somebody you know that's an atheist or has different beliefs than you, you don't have to treat them like they're a project. Mm -hmm. You don't have oh, to yeah. treat oh, them yeah. like you gotta convince them and debate them and you know, just treat them as a friend, treat them as a person. That's That's been the, the big thing this episode. It's just, it doesn't matter what they believe. If they believe the exact polar opposite of you and you get into debates all the time, just treat them like a person. Just treat them like a human being because that's that's what they are. They're not a project. They're your friend or they're your neighbor or they're just your brother or sister. That is such a good point. And that's an extremely important thing to have in mind when you're trying to minister to someone. Be their friend first. And then if they ask you to, be a mentor last. Because uh, I mean, if somebody's not even in the pool of, you know, of being a follower of Christ, just give them time. Uh, like, I, I, like I've reiterated several times on the podcast, let it all be natural because everything will fall into place. I guarantee you everything will fall into place. It is the Lord's will to get as many as possible into the kingdom. I think, honestly, my, my personal opinion, I think there's going to be more people in heaven than there will be in hell. Honest, honestly. Uh, the thing is, is that we we are just so critical on the fact that you know we we gotta we gotta save them all. We, we're 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 the heroes, you know. We we gotta save everybody. We gotta we gotta make sure that you know we we're their savior. I gotta tell them how wrong they are, so that they know. You know it's like we ain't that, that's not our job. Uh, the love of Christ, the respect that you show people. Um, all those things and more will lead them into salvation. Christ takes care of their heart when, when they're around you. Um, so just be a light in their life. Um, be their friend, just as Jesus was was uh, was friend was friends with others. You know, it it that, it goes a long way. Well, I uh, just to add and finish off on what you said to a certain extent. We have interacted with some people who have been very hateful, uh, very, uh, I, I'm talking towards Christ, not towards us, but sort of like, who have clearly had something against God. Uh, people who sort of were, were very against being ministered to. And what helped was that we stopped ministering and started just like you said, interacting. 
And I, I have, and we have personally seen people come to Christ through that interaction. But if we ever came up and we told them, man, I need to tell you, I don't want you going to hell on my watch. Yeah. It, it would have done no good. And we would have lost them. Yeah. And it's like, pe- people people have grown up with that example. And, you know, people have been taught to minister that way. And, you know, it, it's hard to hear these things that we do say sometimes because, you know, well, it's not the way that I was taught. And it's like, yeah. And it wasn't the way that we were taught either. We, we had to learn this. Uh, but, you know... With, with the way that our generation is at, at the very moment, you know, they've already, they already experienced backlash on a, on a daily basis. Um, and whether or not the way that they live, like in your, in, in anyone else's eyes, if, if they thought that they deserved it, that's irrelevant. It's the fact that, you know, nobody should be beaten down with words every single second because of the way that their hair is colored or any any style choice or or way of life that they choose you know maybe it contradicts the way that you live because you live for christ but uh, learn to love those individuals and love doesn't mean just you know letting everything just you know you accepting their way of life into your way of life that that's not that's not what accepting someone and loving someone is it's uh it's draw it's kind of like throwing out a lead for for, or like a a, on a fishing rod and reeling them in with the love and kindness that you show them that way when they see the love of christ and they see the example that's being shown through you it makes them more comfortable coming into the fold and you know jesus takes care of the rest uh usually when somebody becomes a part of a a church family and they stay for a while they're not going to start living like jesus incarnate right off the bat (laughs) Uh, it it takes them a minute give them time uh, just as people gave you time you know a lot of people grow up in the church uh, as a young individual and and then they grow up in it Um, but some people the people who don't uh, they they're a different situation they're a different circumstance so we have to go about it in a different way Um, so just just give them time but uh, today's episode has gone on. This is the longest episode we've had. Wow. Yeah, that's an hour. Uh, well, that is, uh, I, I think that's where we're going to call it. Um, we're running out of time here. So, well, we're going to close this off. Thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed the podcast, share it with your friends and family. Um, tell them about it at Thanksgiving. Hope you guys fill up your bellies real nice and big this, this coming up Thanksgiving. I am so ready for, uh, for my dad's side turkey. Oh, oh I, I, love, I love the way that they, they make the turkey. That's irrelevant, though. I'm starving now. Yeah, my mouth's watering. Let's go get some food. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, my name is Timothy Dotson. I'm Trent Nalak. 
I'm Donald Garrett. And you have been listening to The Passion Cast. Thank you.